Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Uh, John, good week. Lots of things going on. Tony Ayo, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but we're on at 9 o'clock, so uh, I'm not sure why you saw that we were late but um, at 8.26, but we'll try to be, uh, we'll try to be early. Um, all right, uh, John, lots of, lots of things, lots of moving pieces. Um, make sure that you guys are um, following us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on IamYoungAriGold. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at IamYoungAriGold. Uh, don't forget to follow Jordan at TexansThoughts. Uh, and don't forget to follow Patrick at ThePatrickStorm. And don't forget to follow our newest writer, Jair, at JRL Sports TX on Twitter as well. We just brought on Jair uh, yesterday, announced it today. Super excited about bringing him on. A very talented uh, young writer who's hungry and willing to just do what it takes to succeed. I really like that, and he's just a stand-up guy. Um, so, Jair, welcome to the team. We're super excited to have you. Uh, all right, make sure you guys go to the Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Uh, you guys might want to start to get the subscriptions into uh, the Patreon as Sundays we will be doing um, reactions to the game on Sunday evening. So if you guys don't want to wait until Wednesday morning, you guys can go to the Patreon. I forget which tier it is, but you guys will be able to sign up and get live access to us on Sunday evening. Uh, opening game event at Cobos Q, September 10th at 5.30 p.m. in the Tascacita. Um, John, are we close? Are we close to the flyer? Yeah, I'll have the flyer done tonight. Yes, all right. Flyer will be done tonight, so that means I'll have the event right up. Make sure you guys go on RSVP. Uh, thank you to Kobo's Q, my boy, for having us. Uh, this dude is just an awesome person, great food, and it's going to be a ton of fun. We will be social distancing. All right, shirts are out. Um, we are going to be pushing them this week. Thank you, D-Texans, for the amazing shirts. Um, they look awesome. I am so excited to share these with you guys. Uh, we did a Johnson's in the backfield shirt. Uh, can play off of Angels in the Outfield with uh, David and Duke. So that's going to be really cool. All right, let's hop into it. I mean, there's really we don't need to skip around. We're, we're here. We're, uh, we're here for defensive line and offensive line uh, reviews. Um, I am also recording. I recorded with Zach Hicks yesterday. I'm recording with Stony Bros on Thursday for the Titans, and then I'm recording with somebody new for the Jacksonville Jaguars on Friday. We're going to put it all together as one AFC South preview, kind of like what we did for the draft. Uh, and that should be out either this week or next week. So that'll be coming soon. Um, all right, I did a lot of talking. John. Um, <laughs> Are my, you tired? I, my, I can tell that you've missed being here. I, ha- I always miss being here. You know, I actually, funny story, my wife made a, her job was doing like a drive-through, like a drive-in, a mo- drive-in movie thing tonight. <laughs> they had like a, they rented out a drive-in movie for all their employees and they're watching Scoob, and my eight-year-old was so disappointed that I was not going with him tonight. He asked me multiple times if I could cancel the podcast tonight and go with him, and I had to tell him, just not tonight, buddy. Not tonight. No, two weeks in a row would be a little bit much, even though it's felt longer than that. Like, I feel like you're 
you're Mr. All About Town. All these uh, guest recordings you're doing, um, you know, we still got we still got this going on. Yeah, man, crazy times, but you know what? We're here. I'm here. I'm happy to be here. So I'm super excited. All right, everyone wants. To I'm talk sure everybody is extremely excited for me to try and say our new writer's name. Jair. Yeah, that should be fun. <laughs> I can't wait to see what's going on with that. That'll be. Oh, uh, I, I I don't know if I want to guest or guest host anytime soon because I have to say his name. It'll be all right. I'll cool. know him by then. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Um, all right, and then we got our we got our team outing this this Saturday. We're going out on Lake Travis. That'll be a lot of fun. Patrick, Cody, Preston. Unfortunately, Jordan cannot join us as he's in college in Vancouver. Uh, Jair is going to try to make it. Preston's coming. Uh, that should be a ton of fun. Just the boys out on the lake. Dude, that I'm beyond excited for that. That yeah. that's going to be cool. Going out to Lake Travis. Really haven't gotten to do much because of all this mess, and you know we're gonna be on the lake. Like, even if it wasn't with y'all, <laughs> granted that makes it that makes it pretty cool. Um, but just going out on the lake, it's been nice. Um, get to drive around a boat for a little bit. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited. It'll be fun. It, it's just gonna be nice to be with the boys, just kind of hang out and just uh, drink some beers, right around the lake, do all that stuff. All right, so before we get into our um, our, our our agenda. Let's let's get to these clowny things. Almost, we should have probably had Pat come on. And they, I know he's sitting at his computer desk, but do we want to talk about clown? Look, uh, this whole like clowny situation is just to- totally like messing with my emotions. There's not one player in the league that I would prefer to have back out of everybody. Even if we went back to uh, the off season, free agency began. And we had our pick of the litter. I still would have went with Jadavian Clowney as the first guy that I wanted. And uh, yeah, well, I like mean, I guess we should refresh on. because our our listeners and our viewers have grown exponentially since we last talked about Clowney. Like, legitimately talked about Clowney. It was. It's not. There's no doubt that we would love to have Clowney. There's smoke. There is something out there. Whether or not that comes to pass, we we have no idea. I mean, things may. I mean, they apparently talked about money. At least Bill O'Brien has reached out and apologized to Clowney. He's like he's trying to make movement there, but it's just what does Clowney want? And we all want Clowney back. You add Clowney to this defense and with Weaver, and I believe, and we'll even talk about it a little bit when we get to uh, talking about the defense how we're going to kind of get away from the, three, the philosophies of a 3-4 and two-gapping back to single gap. And you put Clowney in a single gap attack and defensive line, like, dude, it would absolutely. What happened there? I think you froze. <laughs> that was insane. Looked like you were just staring off into space. I was like, I didn't really talk anything that deep or moving or anything. I don't know why you'd be so touched. That was super scary. I was just like, oh, what, what's going on? Uh, yeah, no, look, if Bill O'Brien reaching out to Clowney, Clowney and Bill O'Brien having a conversation, great. Um, we need Clowney. Clowney makes me feel a lot better about this defense, like a lot better. What he can bring to this defense from a pure pass rushing perspective is exactly what we need. Um, I, I just don't think it's going to happen, but man, I would love for it to happen. I don't care if we spend $20 on, on, uh, on 
$20 million on Clowney for one season. I really don't. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Anybody sense. out there, even even from the beginning of free agency, one player that I would love to have is Clowney. Granted, I'm a little biased, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is a good question by by our boy Cody. Off topic, but a quick question because I haven't. I was having an argument. Your choice, you're taking our wide receiving core or Dallas's, no bias. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and missing somebody, right? No, I think that's it, right? Well, I mean, that, those are the big names. Um, no, let me look them up real quick guy, not prepared for this. No, we took other slot guy. I think it's just them three. I mean, those are really the three. Like, if you took those three versus Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills, uh, I'm a speed guy, so I I don't know. Like, Amari Cooper, eh, I, I'm not a big fan of Amari Cooper. Um, and then, like, if you look at, like, C.D. Lamb, like, we don't know what he's going to do. Like, yeah, he, he's a high-profile wide receiver, but I'd probably go Houston. I'd, I'd go Will Fuller, um, Brandon Cooks, and Kenny Stills over there three. Yeah, no doubt. Um, even even with the depth, let's see, they have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeCe Lamb, Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson, Tevin Jones, Devin Smith, and then tell Bryant. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Um, Amari Cooper might maybe be the best out of the group. Maybe. I'm, For I don't, sure. I don't really. No, I think I Amari Cooper. I mean, look, Will Fuller healthy? Like, if you can guarantee me 16 healthy games, I'm taking Will Fuller over Amari Cooper. Yeah, and Gallup's a good player. He's a quality player. But I would rather take our entire wide receiving core. Yeah. It, I mean, it, you, just, you break it down from – our top four versus their top four. At that point, we've already got more depth than them. Yeah, I just uh, like when it's these questions are weird because like you're going based off of potential, right? Like if I'm going if I'm going up based off of production, you have to go with Dallas. Like Dallas has a more productive wide receiving core. If I'm going based off of uh, potential and I'm comparing those three wide receivers, I'm hands down going to take the Texans wide receiving core. But if again, if we're going off for of production, then yeah, Gallup, uh, um, Gallup. Well, I don't know because CD hasn't produced. But Gallup and if we just did two, Gallup and Amari versus Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Uh, yeah, I mean you'd have to take you'd have to take uh, Dallas. I would say that their top three ends up having more yards and ends up being more productive. But our top four ends up there's just too many mouths to feed here. And I think that over the course of the season, that's that's going to give the edge to the Texans. Where if you magically have all three Cowboys receivers play healthy the entire season, I mean, okay, maybe. But I still think that the way our, our three, our top three, is better overall than their top three. Mm. I well, think that they have the best one, but we have the better, better our, three. Our boy uh, Big Sarge chimes in here. Uh, Gallup would be better if Dak was more accurate. I almost wonder if this is like, like, is this bait? Am I supposed to, like, yes, because Dak is just an average quarterback. Like, Dak is just an average quarterback. He's a top 15 quarterback. He's not top 10. Maybe top 10. I think Dak is good at just about everything except for something that's incredibly important, and that is throwing the ball accurately. 
he does a lot of the un- intangibles. He he's a good athlete. Like he's gonna his biggest problem is he doesn't necessarily put his his receivers in the best position to make plays. And they got bailed out a lot by their by their play calling last year. Um, shoot, what is his name? Um, their offensive coordinator. He was a rookie last year. Uh, I forgot. Um, he was a quarterback. What was his name? Oh, shoot. God, I forgot. Sarge, offensive <laughs> coordinator. What's his name? I totally forgot. Every, everybody was raving. They I, were I, saying, they I, were saying I, he's going to be the Kellen, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. That's it. Yeah, he did a lot of great things with their offense. I love the creativity. I love the motions. Um, Dude actually helped out Dak quite a bit. And then they do have speed with their receivers. So they're one of those offenses that's going to put up big numbers. And, I mean, the Cowboys are – I hate to say this, but the Cowboys are going to be pretty good this year. They're going to be really good this year. Now, Dak was great at putting numbers up. However, he wasn't very good against teams with winning records. And that this year will be will be tested a little bit more. And they've given him a lot of talent. And Gallup is the guy that – he could be – I think he could be a star on, with a certain quarterback, but I don't necessarily know if Dak is that guy. Granted, and I, I'm not a Dak hater. I just don't think that he's in the same stratosphere as Watson, and I hate that those two are compared to each other all the time. If they both didn't play in Texas, I wonder if they'd both be compared the way they are. They wouldn't be. It's the Texas thing. Uh, we have the better quarterback. They they technically have the better franchise. Like, there's just nothing else you can say. Yeah, I mean, he just consistently put up numbers against bottom-feeding teams. If Watson had the schedule that Dak had, Watson's numbers would have blown Dak out of the out of the water. Fair. That's fair. Um, I, I actually think, look, I, I think Mike McCarthy was a very smart hire for the Dallas Cowboys. I like, I like that. Keeping, like, considering the pieces that they have in place, um, he's a disciplined head coach, tons of experience, um, able to get the most out of his guys. I think this is a, a very, very smart hire, but I also think it's like a very, very safe hire. Oh, it's incredibly safe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It's the safest hire out there. McCartney's been a winner, but I don't know if that was on Aaron Rodgers or if that was on Mike McCarthy. All of it, everything from the issues to the winning. Like, who was the guy causing the issues? Who was the guy causing the winning? It was the whole thing is kind of like a big – Big mashup, and, but McCarthy. I mean, he had a lot of success up in Green Bay. Look at the look at the smile on my boy's face over here, and look at Sarge. Look at who who else can smile like that and make like everybody's day better? Only Big Sarge. Only Big Sarge. That's my guy. Uh, all right. Uh, so training camp. Oh, yo, we're talking about training camp. It happened. Pads are on. Things are going on. We have football. We have we have so many moving parts. It's amazing. Uh, Duke Etchafor is out for the season. It is a bummer, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it, it probably makes the roster cuts at that position a little bit easier for the coaching staff, unfortunately. Um, but outside of that, really, with with training camp starting, uh, there's, you know, lots of new pieces, lots of chemistry needing to be built. Um, you know, Talking, I was talking to Sarge today on the phone. We were talking, and he told me that Brandon Dunn is the player that nobody is talking about that is having an amazing camp, and he is all over the field. Um, 
saying that he's just destroying everybody. He's he looks like a man possessed on the field right now. So uh, that's encouraging because that's really what we need. Um, but I mean, what are some of the takeaways so far with you for training camp, John? As I watch my Lakers bring it within four. I thought you were going to be all mopey all night about them. Um, well, first and foremost, we kind of talked about this a little bit with the wide receiver, but how wide receiver preview, but how important chemistry with Deshaun Watson is. Because the two receivers that are really, really blowing everybody away in camp are Chad Hansen and Stephen Mitchell. And I'm not sure we talked about either one of them when we did the preview. No, we didn't. We didn't talk about any of them. And I still, look, this happens every year. We talk about it all the time. Okay? There's two guys, usually always wide receivers with this team. Okay, Lestar Gene. I mean, this just this happens every year. There's a wide receiver that pops up. Look, this uh, this wide receiving core is pretty much set. It's going to be very very difficult for Chad Hansen, Stephen Mitchell to be able to make this team. It's just such a stacked wide receiving core. But I will say this: the way that the practice squad rules are for this year, it's going to be very interesting. Um, because you could stash guys and keep them protected so they can't be touched. Um, so if they end up liking Chad Hansen or they end up liking uh, Stephen Mitchell, you know, the, the, I think Isaiah Coulter is probably going to be a Kahali wearing type situation from last year. Um, speaking of Kahali wearing, who hasn't actually fully practiced yet, but everybody seems to have all these high hopes for the water polo superstar, but yet he can't get on the field uh, because he has Jordan Thomas having the best camp of his life. Jordan Akins is a baller, and Darren Fells is Darren Fells. So uh, Kahali Waring is making it very easy for this coaching staff to make a decision on how many tight ends they should carry. Yeah, um, Kahali Waring, it's understandable why people are excited about him. Um, he suited up today, but he didn't actually take any reps, is my understanding. Um, yeah. Is that wrong, James? No, no. Wait, say that again? Uh, Pat Storm just tweeted that he did today, Kali did practice today, but I didn't think he took any reps. He was no. in pads, but he didn't take reps. He was just doing side work. Correct, yeah, he, he but he didn't take any reps. He was just on the field. Right. So, I mean, I get it. Kali Waring, of the guys we have on the roster, and I kind of tweeted it out there, is the only guy that can both do, both play flex and in on. So that is very, very appealing. Um, he's a more polished run blocker, more polished in line, because that's all San Diego State did. They essentially ran a modified wishbone offense, um, or not wishbones, but it was a ground and pound offense. They, the joke with them is it was the air raid if it was only you know through running the ball. So, yeah, he's a better blocker than a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. The the thought with him is with his athleticism, he would be able to develop into a pass catcher, and if he's able to do so, especially with his build, then he could be a very very good player. However, if he keeps stubbing his toe and not being able to practice and not being able to play, he's behind some guys. Um, Jordan Thomas, um, everybody keeps raving about him. Granted, it's training camp. So here's – we know from the past that training camp does make a difference. Like part of of us and part of me wants to sit there and it's like, oh, it's training camp. Everybody's good because – Everybody is good in training camp. It's amazing. Every every day you could probably find a tweet or an article or something about some about whatever player on the bubble and how great of a camp they're having. Um, it's very, very rare when you get a guy that it looks like he's just totally outmatched in camp, and people um, publicize that. 
Um, it has to be somebody major like to Dante Foreman a couple of, or two, or last year. Wow, last year. And that's just because he had name recognition. If it was another bottom of the roster running back, nobody cares. And it's the same thing in, tra- in, in training camp for the guys that are doing good. They want to prop up the guys that are doing good. Everybody gets more excited during um, training camp for positivity. This is the one time of the year where the overall coverage is positive. So we got to enjoy it and also take it with a grain, grain of salt. Yeah, we're not going to take this comment with a grain of salt here, though. This is this is just the this is just the most this this is almost like I feel like this is bait. Somebody's trying to trap me right now. Wow, Carlos, I, I don't wow. know how often you listen, but my love for Jordan Aikens is extremely high, and he is the future Travis Kelsey for the Houston Texans. We cannot cut Jordan Aikens over Jordan Thomas if it comes down to it. We cannot. Somebody's going to get uh, put in timeout. Oh, look. Hey, we actually have a we have a source. Look at this. Look at that. Samuel Abram. Oh, wait, hold on. Breaking Jair, news. Jair has been signed to Texans Unfiltered per league sources, not th- not authorized to speak publicly. Interesting. That's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm, I hope it comes true. I, Jair's a great guy, um, great worker, great writer. It's going to be interesting to see if that's something that can happen. Uh, other things that are happening in training camp. Uh, Zach Cunningham is lighting everybody on fire uh, and is just a man possessed. But um, one thing that I also got from Sarge uh, earlier today is that BMAC is having the best camp that he has had, and nobody is talking about the way he is playing on the field right now. I mean, it's BMAC. We've kind of all, I think we all we talked about it a little BMAC. bit last week. We've kind of gotten spoiled by him. Yeah. Again, he's. He's above average. He's a very, very good player. He's just got one very noticeable weakness. And at the same time, we should be very happy to have him on the team because he is a cornerstone linebacker. He is. He is. But it's just it, – I think it's ultimately because everybody knows that we can't pay both him and Zach. And so we know that the Zach extension is coming. So, therefore – we know that BMAC has to go at some point. And I think, like, ultimately, I think in the back of everybody's mind, it's like they're, you know, you do this in life. You, you kind of start to um, devalue the player because you know he's on his way out and you're making way for the future at that position in Zach Cunningham. So, um, you know, it sucks because BMAC really is a great player. I mean, He's he's a very 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 good linebacker, um, but he just he's not fast enough and he can't he doesn't work with uh, the new way of the NFL the way that they we the way that linebackers are playing now with speed and the ability to cover and things of that nature. Fifteen years ago, BMAC would have been an amazing an amazing linebacker. He might he might restructure. That's a, that's a very interesting point. Um, he might. Uh, you know, he has, I think his third kid is on the way. Um, you know, he's been here a long time. You know, there's probably not going to be a ton of value for a player like him on the open market. Um, I don't know. He could be traded to Cleveland in, you know, any sometime soon with uh, their linebacker going down today. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of lots of things that can happen. But he's having quietly an extremely good training camp, and nobody is talking about him. Everybody is focusing on the new pieces that have been added and not focusing on the pieces that have already been established. So, um, Granted, one thing about BMAC, and I'm very excited about how to see how it's going to be used, 
and Weaver's defense because as much as we talk about his his struggles in coverage, he is the best blitzing linebacker in the National Football League. Hands down. You can put that in bright lights and say that I said that um, as a hot take. You can send it to cold takes exposed if I end up being wrong, but based on the past, you know, three years, he has been. And yet we don't blitz him enough. If Weaver comes in and he's a little bit more aggressive and blitzes BMAC, who cares if he can cover? He's sitting there hitting, hitting the quarterback. Yeah. Well, and especially the way that, like, the way that we've sent him in the past just right through the middle, you know, uh, giving a little bit more of that push. Um, definitely something to, to, to think about. But, um, oh, real quick, guys. Uh... Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, all right? That's what we're here for. Hit the notification. Turn it on so you guys know when we go live. We go live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Um, all right. Uh, any other training camp standouts, storylines, anything else we need to talk about? Uh, Deshaun's just like uh, a maestro just and a conductor of the offense right now. Uh, he's like on fire in camp. I don't know if I would expect anything different. I really think Deshaun's going to light the league on fire this year. I truly do. Yeah, and then apparently he's also out there having fun. Um, they were talking about how he's throwing throws to just kind of see if he can. Um, but when it's time to get serious and do the uh, the one-on-one drills, he's he looks sharp, but he's also just enjoying it, uh, enjoying the fact that he is a now a veteran quarterback that understands the offense and just going out there and, you know, throwing the ball around. Yeah, no. Uh, trying to think of what else. Uh, David Johnson, yeah, David Johnson's having a very good camp. If anybody has seen any of the clips from him running, he is running like a madman right now. He looks, he looks so, he looks like he has that extra step that we all thought he could not have. Well, not we all, but most people uh, thought that he could not have. Um, he looks motivated. That's that's a plus. That's what we need. Um, trying to think of what else. Gary Conley, beast. That's that's a given. Justin Reed, beast. That's a given. Um, oh, God, things are getting things are getting spicy. My client Jordan from Texans Thoughts is holding out from the podcast tonight. He's seeking top of the content creator market money. Pay him what he's worth. Oof. Yeah, I mean Jordan. Jordan's, the cool he's thing about out the cap. I was going to say. Yeah, and not only that, like Jordan is a partner in this, so. Um, it's not just me and John anymore. It's me, John, and 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 Jordan. So, yeah, um, he's getting he's getting what he can. Trust me. Uh, and he'll be on later. So if that's why you're here, Samuel, which I know that's not the case, you were here before Jordan. But still, I think Pat might be right. I think Pat's onto something here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, um, all right. Training camp. That's great. Uh, I don't want to get into the camp battles yet, just because we have so much still to get through. So position group reviews. Let's start with the offensive line. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on the offensive line because we are going to. I'm going to be talking with offensive lineman guru Brandon Thorne uh, here in the next week. So I don't think that we need to talk too much about the offensive line, as you guys will be getting an episode specifically about the offensive line with Brandon Thorne, who is an offensive line specialist. 
I guess. Y'all are definitely in for a treat. Brandon Thorne knows offensive line. And not only that, but he makes it exciting to actually listen to. Yeah. Um, lots of times when you talk about the trenches, and part of the reason we combine them is people can kind of have a short, short, short attention span. Granted, over the past two years, um, with as bad, as bad in quotation marks as our offensive line supposedly has been, you know, I think Texans fans in general want to know more about offensive line play. And we also want to kind of back up our guys because they got pulled through the mud last year when they were actually pretty good. Yeah, no, I would agree. So let's start at left tackle. Um, Laramie Tunsil. Okay, I don't really think there's anything else that we need to talk about outside of the fact that Laramie had a great season with us, obviously had some mishaps on uh, false starts, came to the team four days before kickoff. He's going to clean that up. He talked specifically about that in his press conferences, talking about understanding uh, Deshaun's cadences and the communication with the offensive line. Um, I'm not really worried about Tunsil. He's a top three offensive line or off left tackle uh, in, in the league, top five offensive line. So Tunsil will be fine. I want to talk about Max Sharping, who when I talked to Brandon Thorne, he was super excited to talk about Max Sharping. Um, he Max is a guy that is just a bruiser, um, small school guy who came in, stepped in, and was able to uh, really make a name for himself. Obviously, playing next to Tunsil, that helps when you have an elite left tackle next to you. Um, it, it definitely makes things a little bit easier. But um, I think Max had, when you look at where he was drafted and the talent that he played in the competitive, like looking at where he played in college, you would have never guessed he could step in day one and play at the level that he played at. Sure, he had mishaps. He's a rookie. Um, but Max Sharping is a is a star. Yeah. Here's the thing, and I'll touch a little bit on Laramie Tunsil. Um, Laramie Tunsil was the best pass-blocking tackle in the entire NFL last year. The only reason that he's not getting credited as that is he also had the best penalties. That's it. Cleans up the penalties. He will be nationally recognized by all the talking heads as the best left tackle in the game. All of a sudden, Bill O'Brien will no longer get as dragged as he did for that trade. Blah, blah, blah. Tunsil's good. End of story. Um, Sharping. Sharping is a guy that when we drafted, we actually thought that he could potentially end up playing right tackle this year. He is a guy that's incredibly athletic. Um, he started and did not allow us a, a sack from his, I want to say sophomore year in high school, all the way until his senior year in college. This is a guy that the reason that he fell to us is he was profiled as a tackle and not as a guard. You put him in at guard and you put him at at left guard, and there was a little bit of learning pains last year. However, he did not suffer at all in pass blocking. Strangely enough, and this is very, very rare for an offensive lineman, he struggled in run blocking. Like He struggled getting a push. And part of that is I my my belief with him is he's just hesitating a little bit when it comes to running games. And an extra year in the in the pros, an extra year to put on weight, put on that grown man strength in the NFL, run his run blocking grade is just going to naturally go up. Because he's a guy that part of the reason he was projected to be a solid right tackle is his ability to do both pass blocking and run blocking. And you usually want to ride a tackle that can just bulldoze people. With him, the idea was he gets a little bit more size and a little bit more strength, he'll start bulldozing people. And doing it as a tackle or as a guard, yeah, he's going to definitely be great. 
I agree 100%. I think Max is, uh, I think he's he's on the rise. And like I said, playing next to Tunsil uh, makes his job a lot easier, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right, Nick Martin. The guy that coming into last season was my biggest concern. I mean, I talked a lot about it. His play on the field, his injury history, the guy never seemed to be able to put it together. Gets signed the day before the Saints game and then just turns into a completely different player. Uh, second best center in the AFC South behind uh, Ryan Kelly. Um, and, yeah, he's just – Nick Martin had a wonderful season last year, just a wonderful season, and was extremely consistent, um, it helped out a ton, looked like he – you know, he he was more engaged is really the biggest thing about it. Um, there were times in the previous seasons where he just didn't seem as engaged when it came to uh, picking up blitzes or, or anything like that. Nick turned it around completely, and now when you look at that left side of the line and add Nick Martin in the middle, that left side is extremely strong. And that's that's the bread and butter of this offensive line now. Yeah, Nick Martin's starting to finally come into his own a little bit as a center. Uh, one of his biggest things was staying healthy. He stayed healthy. And part of the reason that his play always suffered is either he got hurt or he ran out of steam towards the end of the year. Last year it didn't happen. So... Excited for him, excited to see how he turns out. He's similar problems to Max Sharpen. Granted, Nick Martin doesn't have that same excuse. He's still not the best run blocker. He may end up being one of the he may end up being a top five center when it comes to pass blocking. However, it's just interesting. Sharping, Martin, and Fulton all have the exact same weakness and they're at the interior of our line. They're not a single one of them is excels at run blocking. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, the, the biggest step that this offensive line has to take next year is really just in regards to run blocking. Pass protection, they were they were much better last year than years past, um, and they should be even better this year. Um, a lot of it also has to do with the fact that Deshaun was holding on to the ball. You have to think now with this new offense, new weapons, that that's going to be one of the things that they're eliminating, and that's one of the reasons why maybe they decided to go this path is to give him quicker reads and a quicker opportunity to get rid of the ball. Um, so hopefully we see that drop down a little bit. When you add Duke and David now, they have to start to focus on the run blocking and being able to create holes and get that second push. Um, and I think that they'll be able to. Let's move over to right guard Zach Fulton. Look, uh, Zach has gotten a ton of hate. Um, that tends to happen when everybody else around you is great. Um, you, you tend to be isolated and the one that is somewhat picked on. Um, I think Zach was was consistent given the situation he was in. All you know, basically a rotating right tackle for the entire second half of the season. When Titus was playing, Fulton was fine. When Roderick and Chris Clark were you know swapping back and forth between series, um, it seemed like um, who is this guy? No, buddy, we're not following your girlfriend. You've been putting the time out, um, and. Uh, um, you know, so when you look at who he had as a guard, you're really only as strong as the tackle next to you. And when you're having that switch between two tackles every other series, it's hard to communicate, how to, hard to understand kind of responsibilities and who's who's going to be able to pick up what and just the communication aspect. I think Fulton is a average guard. And on this line, if he's the worst player on the offensive line, I still have no concerns with this offensive line. Yeah, Fulton is, strangely enough, he's now the worst offensive lineman we have. 
However, as Hancho points out and what I was actually about to say is you have us on record two years ago saying that, well, Fulton's good. Let's keep him. Let's trash everybody else. And, you know, we kept him and we trashed everyone else except for Martin. Uh, Martin got better because he got healthier. Fulton has kind of stayed the same. He is almost – he's borderline elite when it comes to pass blocking. He is a great, great pass blocker. Now, he is horrible at run blocking. And part of me thinks that this was almost a conscious decision by the Texans coaching staff to go this direction because you don't have to be as good at run blocking when you have a running quarterback. Typically, because you have Deshaun's a threat to run, there is more one-on-one opportunities for the running backs. Um, the offensive line doesn't have to bulldoze people. They need to be a little bit more athletic because um, Deshaun naturally just his threat is going to create holes. And that allows Fulton – you know, to be fine. We'd rather have him as a solid pass blocker because pass blocking is what keeps Deshaun alive, and we want to keep Deshaun around for as long as we possibly can. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's get to the right tackle. Uh, Titus Howard, uh, before he got hurt last year, really kind of proved why he was um, why he was taken um, so early by, you know, draft expert standards. He was supposedly going to be available in the second round. Uh, People don't seem to realize that Titus Howard also had the most NFL team visits pre-draft. He was a very, you know, sought after uh, player and he showed why very early on. He was a, he was a plug and play right tackle. He wasn't perfect, but he looked like he played the part. He reminded a lot of us about the way, just his build, the way he looked like Dwayne Brown, uh, plays very similar to Dwayne Brown, and um, when you look at what he was in, like how he was inserted into this lineup, um, and kind of the need that we had, Titus played at an extremely high level. Uh, he's only going to get better. Uh, we only got to see seven games, six or seven games before he got hurt in camp. The early reports are that his footwork looks a lot better than what it looked like last year. Um, he looks to be in better shape. Um, they, people are saying that he looks better than last year already. I mean, look, if Titus is just an average tackle moving forward, which I don't think he'll be, I think he'll be above average. That's really all we need compared to what we've seen in the past. Add to the fact that kind of the way this offense is going to be orchestrated and with the amount of weapons that are, that are at Deshaun's disposal, he's not going to have to black block for so long. Um, Deshaun's going to be getting rid of it quick. I expect Titus to take a big step, um, and I'm really excited about this offensive line. Like I, I'm, and I can't believe I'm able to say that after what we've seen, but I am really excited about this offensive line. First time in the Bill O'Brien era that all five starters are coming back and starting uh, from the previous season. Looks like a uh, looks like they're just going to continue to improve as they build a con- uh, continuity and chemistry that they've all started to build last year. Um, the sky's the limit for this offensive line. I think that they can sneak into the top 10 this year. And if that's the case, if they do sneak into the top 10, this offense is going to be a very dynamic offense. Yeah, no doubt. Um, again, because I don't want to make it sound like we agree on everything, but we are in pretty much lockstep when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, Titus Howard, here's what's pretty cool about him. He played right tackle in college. And that was a knock on him prior to the draft. But the reason he played right tackle in college was he had a lefty quarterback, so he was really playing 
left-handed. However, the point about that is he learned how to play tackle on that side. So Bill O'Brien, by trading for Laramie Tunsil, allows Pattis Howard to continue to grow with what he already knows, playing on the right side of the line. And this is not a knock on his ability. He's a right tackle with the ability to play with the physical skill set and talent to play left tackle without any issue. With a scrambling quarterback at any time, he could be protecting Deshaun's blind side. So it's kind of it, it matches. He gets to focus on the foundation that he's already laid in college. He stays on that side. He gets to work opposite the best left tackle in the game. So he has the potential to be the best right tackle in the game. Like we shouldn't have to worry about our offensive line for years, and that's a great feeling to have. Yeah, I would agree. I think we're not going to get in too much into the um, into the reserves or the backups. I will say keep an eye on the one the one guard, backup guard, undrafted guy from TCU. Um, there's a chance that he could crack the roster. But outside of that, uh, you know, this this starting five offensive line is is just going to continue to get better. They've shown on tape and on film as we bring in our film expert here, our film expert. I think that's what we're going to call you from now on, the film expert. How does that feel? Can, can, you be, can you be the film expert for us moving forward, Jordan? I'd be definitely down for that. That's my, that's my bread and butter. I think, okay. I think that's what we should. We should make you the film expert CEO of Texans Unfiltered. I like that title a lot. I mean, I'll take it. yeah, absolutely. Well, so we're wrapping up the offensive line. Um, we, you know, obviously we, we've talked about it enough, so you kind of know where we all stand on it. But uh, just kind of give us a brief summary before we head into the defensive line as far as your thoughts on um, the offensive line and kind of where they stand and also how the Lakers are playing. Woo, thank God. Oh, Lord. Thank God that second quarter. Woo. All right. Anyways, um, off- offensive line. So I'm really excited about it because we saw, and I'm sure you guys touched on it, that when the starting five was healthy, when they played together, they were playing at a very, very high level. And they're going to get all those five back. And if you think about it, like, I would say at least four of the five guys are going to improve from last season. You know your obvious guys who are going to improve, Titus and Max Sharping. Those young guys, they're going to take a big jump. Nick Martin, I think he still has room to improve. He's improved every single year. Really, last year was his big jump. If he can continue on that, that's going to be huge for us. And then Laramie Tunsil, I think <clears throat> from a lot of the press conferences we got, we've gotten from him is he's acknowledged that his best is yet to come and he's still working to get better he said the main thing is the penalties but then also just everything with offense so I think with all those guys getting better with the continuity that we're going to have that's only going to help our entire offense because like a lot of people talk about the Bill O'Brien offense being complicated and it is but I think a lot of people like reference that for like the skill positions for the quarterback but they don't really think about how that impacts the offensive line and the offensive line, they've got to be real smart guys. They've got to know what everything is going on as well. So they've got a tough job. And just the more years that they got in the system, they're going to get more comfortable. And I think we're going to see a very good jump. If I were to, like, rank them, I don't know. I definitely think top half of the league. We're definitely borderline top 10. I mean, it's really about the run blocking increasing because, like, we were, I think it was, like, eighth or something like that in pass block win rate. And so if the run blocking can can improve, that's that's going to be big time for us. Yep, I agree 100%. All right, let's get into the defensive line. Uh, we'll, we'll move through that, and then we'll get to questions um, for the night. But uh, defensive line, obviously, uh, there's not much to say about J.J. Watt. It's funny, I was talking to Zach Hicks yesterday recording the AFC South preview, and um, before we started 
recording, he started to talk about what he saw on film from J.J. the first seven weeks of the season. And he said that on film, he looked identical to 2013-2014 J.J. Watt. And I don't think – and he, he said his, his next statement was he doesn't understand how people aren't talking about J.J. Watt still to this day. And I agree. I mean, J.J. through seven weeks last year looked phenomenal. He looked exactly what you would want. I don't know what else we can really say about J.J. except for the fact that he's really our only pass rusher. And that's my biggest concern about this defense is we really don't know where the other production is going to come from. You know, we know Whitney plays better when J.J.'s on the field. If J.J. goes away, you know, we do think that Weaver can manufacture a pass rush. But, you know, when is that going to happen and how long is it going to take? And is it going to be too late? Um so, you know, I don't really know where to start. I guess we'll start with Jacob Martin uh, since you just entered. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of praise in camp right now. Uh, you know, Weaver is is talking extremely high about him. He's saying all the things that we kind of already knew. Uh, you know, quick first step, uh, ability to be able to get to the quarterback at a fast rate, uh, needs to be able to stay on the field all three three downs if he's going to be a starter. Um, you know, what, what can we expect from Jacob Martin this season, um, Jordan? What can we expect? That all comes down to how many snaps he plays. If he plays the same amount of snaps as last year, he's probably not going to get much more sacks and much more pressure. Maybe a couple here and there, but it's not going to be anything crazy because what can you do playing only 20% of the total overall defensive snaps, right? But with, but with if he can see a sizable jump in snaps, we've talked about it a lot. He can be a six, seven, eight, nine sack type of guy. Um, and that's what we need. We need someone to be to be JJ's Robin. How do I say it? The Robin to JJ's Batman. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Whitney Merciless. Yeah, the sidekick. Exactly. We need someone else to step up. Whitney Merciless did it in the beginning of the season. Who knows if he's going to be able to full, to carry that out for a full 16 games? But we've got a lot of young guys on the roster, and Jake Martin. You know, he's my guy. So I really hope they do give him the the chance he deserves. And yeah, everything from training camp's been great. One quote that I read, um, I forget who it was from, but they were talking about a rep between him and Rod Johnson and how it was good from both sides of the ball where Martin, he translated his speed to power off the snap. And Rod was able to, he got blown back a little bit, but um, he recovered eventually. But it was interesting to me for Martin because he's not really a, a speed to power type of guy. He's mainly just a speed guy. But if he can add that speed to power aspect to him, that's going to do all all the wonders for him because Offensive linemen are, are giving their chest to him because they got us overset to the outside so much. And, and if he can take advantage of that, that's you're going to see an insane jump in productivity. So hopefully that will continue. Uh, okay. I, I would agree. I mean, look, Jacob Martin has the upside that we're looking for. He has the quickness. He has the first step. He's just got to be able to – it's kind of like the clowny thing. He's got the pressures. He has every other – Every other thing that you're looking for in a pass rusher, he's just got to be able to finish. That's literally all it boils down to. If he finishes more this year because he gets more snaps, I think the production is going to go up, and we're going to see what we're looking for from Jacob Martin, potentially and hopefully opposite side of Whitney Merciless. Um, but the the good part about this is, um, you know, I, I think that Weaver could get creative with the way that they use Jacob Martin. And I think that that's one of the things that, for me, 
um, really kind of excites me is is what can Weaver do with Jacob Martin? All right, let's talk about Charles Menhue. John, your boy, long arms, three and a half sacks last season, putting in a ton of work with DeMarcus Ware in the offseason. Uh, he's been the camp standout so far on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to second-year guys. Um, outside of Brandon Dunn, who's the one that needs to be talked about more, um, what is Charles Amenihue going to bring to this team that we need, and can he actually do it? All right, so Charles Amenihue is one of those um, guys. He's not really a hybrid player, but he can play both inside and outside. Uh, so what that means is what gaps can he attack? He can attack um, between the guard and the center, between the guard and the tackle, and between the tackle and the tight end. He's one of the few guys that we actually have that can consistently do that and also still hold up in the run game. He is a little bit light to continuously play um, on the interior. However, even if we do go to a more of a four-down lineman um, base package, I don't I, – I'm really, really interested to see what Weaver's going to do. Um, I, I don't want to even say 4-3 versus 3-4, but it's more like four-down lineman versus three-down lineman and kind of seeing – what's going to happen with the linebackers. Um, however, with Amenihu, he, no matter which way we decide to go, he can be very effective. He can be a defensive end very easily with three down linemen and take two gaps and control the run. Or if we go to a 4-3 or four down linemen, he can shoot gaps and he can put pressure on the quarterback. And if he has to only control one gap in the running game, he will be an absolute monster at stopping the run. Now, he's going to struggle a little bit more if he has to man two gaps, but one gap, doesn't matter where he's at, he'll be all right. Um, so, yeah, and don't forget, this guy's got a pretty good pedigree. Um, I know me and Jordan, or I tried to pick a fight with Jordan a little bit because we get accused of agreeing too much, um, talking about um, combine stats and measurements versus actual skill, but I'm actually closer in agreement to, with Jordan. You have to know how to play football. And Charles Aminu, while he didn't blow people away at the combine, he knows how to play football. He knows how to play defense a lot. Yeah. I mean, Charles is really, like, it's funny because when me and Jordan talk about the secondary, we talk about Lonnie Johnson being really the key for the secondary moving forward. Like, if Lonnie can step up and be average to above average, the secondary has the opportunity to be extremely good. With the defensive line, we know that J.J. Watt's going to be very good. Uh, outside linebackers, we have a chance to get some production. But on the defensive line, we really don't have another guy that we th- that we know for a fact is going to be able to bring pressure. Charles Menehue, to me, is very similar in the sense of kind of what we're looking for from Lonnie. If Charles can come in and give us eight, nine, you know, seven, eight, nine sacks, just double his production from last year, get pressures. Look, I, I love what Charles brings. I love his arms. Like, they are like the longest thing you could potentially ever see. They are, it's almost like a giraffe neck on each arm. They're super long. Um, but it's the physicality for me with Charles that kind of makes me wonder if he has the ability to really take that next step. I haven't seen a lot of that dog mentality that I look for in like a, in a, in a defensive lineman. Um, but he's, I mean, he showed last year he has, you know, the potential to do things. And look, if we can get nine sacks from Charles Aminihue, I think it would be really, really big. We get nine sacks from Charles Aminihue, we're going to the AFC Championship. Yeah, that's, that, yeah that's not happening. <laughs> what do you mean? One thing... We're not going to the AFC Championship? No, him getting nine sacks. And he's not going to be asked to get nine sacks. Well, However, he's going to be asked, asked to, get to push, the, push the pass. He's going to be asked to push the pocket. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going to go with my point is I talked about sidekicks before. Charles Omenu, who is geared up to be the ultimate sidekick for exactly. our edge rushers. You, people talk about, oh, Whitney Merciless was bad when J.J. Watt went out. He got double team more, yada, yada, yada. And while that has an effect, the greater effect was the lack of interior rush that we didn't have when D.J. Reader's pass rushing productivity kind of fell off a cliff as well. If you notice, his pass rushing productivity and Merciless, it lined up to a T. And Charles Omenu, who he's the one guy who he's going to bring that. It's him and Ross Blacklock, but obviously Omenu who's going to be more NFL ready as, as he has the season under his belt. And so um, one last thing other than that is that his work ethic. I think that's that's the biggest thing with young players is do they have the work ethic to be great? I mean, he was a talented guy in college, but he was a fifth-round pick. He's motivated by that. We saw all the work he's been putting in over the offseason, and it's one thing to put in the off to put in the work in the offseason, record it, have it blow up on Twitter, all that stuff. But you got to have it actually translate to the field. And so I'm really, really happy that we've been getting shining reviews of him because he's been the one big standout for sure. And so we're seeing that work is translating onto the field. And it's not going to stop here. I don't think Charles is that guy who he's going to be content with being, with being mediocre, right? He's going to still continue to put in work over the years. And we've got ourselves, I think, a star for the interior defensive line. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Blacklock. Um, you know, high praise from Weaver today, which and, and high praise from Bill O'Brien too. Uh, both have not been uh, given the, you know, both haven't really talked much about rookies. And so it's a new house. <laughs> kind of what they did. Yeah, hey, so I have a guy tomorrow literally coming to install, like, hot spots and ethernets all throughout my house tomorrow. So I'm, I'm on Wi-Fi right now, but as of tomorrow, that will all be stopped, so... Um, forgive me for that, my guys. It's pretty sad when the college kid has the better internet than the <laughs> grown man uh, on a, in a house that is shared with by eight other people. That's awful. Um, so that's 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 pretty bad. Um, sorry about that, guys. Um, hey, you know, back in February it was me having all the issues. So now it's James's turn. I mean, I just moved. It's 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 gonna happen. What can you do? You know what, what happens? It happens. Um, anyways, so. Um, I was talking about Ross Blacklock. So Bill O'Brien, Anthony Weaver, both high praise, saying that he's coming in, doing a lot of work. They have, and Bill O'Brien says he has high expectations for Ross Blacklock. Um, what are your guys' kind of thoughts on Blacklock? Ideally, Jordan, if you're looking at Blacklock and kind of what we need from him, do you think that there's a chance, you know, he could – obviously he's going to start slow. That, that's just going to happen. But can he ramp up? Can he deliver later on in the year? I think he's gotten, yeah, like you said, he's gotten some good praise. And I think it's tough to transition from college to the NFL. I think defensive lineman is, is one of those positions that it does take, interior defensive lineman, it does take a little bit of time. And I think the one thing in terms of his body that needs that does need some work is just some added lower body strength. He was able to hold double teams really well because of his pure leverage. But like his lower body strength, I just think it needs a little bit of work. So that's definitely, like to your point, is something that will develop over time. Um, and I think in terms of what you're saying by what we need from him, a lot of people get excited by the fact that he's a very athletic defensive tackle and they think, oh, he's brought in here to rush the passer. We need that, right? He's the guy. But like we've been saying, I think Omenu who's actually the guy for that, whereas Blacklock is the guy to fill the DJ Reader role of stuffing the run. That's that's going to be his number one thing because he's elite at that. He shows flashes of pass rushing for sure, but he's elite day one at stopping the run, taking on double teams, stacking and shedding blocks. He's going to eat there and... I think if we do play him at that 3-4 defensive end role, he can do gap a little bit, 
if we can find ways to one-gap him, though, he's going to dominate um, because of that athleticism, because of his low leverage and his hand placement. And I think, like you said, he might start slow. But, again, we've got another stud on the interior defensive line who's really young and is only going to get better. Yeah, and I just want to kind of piggyback on what Jordan says, and it's a little bit off-topic, but we really don't know what Weaver's going to run. Um, so while Romeo was here, he tried to do this kind of hybrid 3-4, not really, but kind of sort of defense. He still he put guys that were better suited for a 4-3 and asked him to two-gap. Will Weaver ask him to do the same? Typically when you have um, defensive ends and nose tackles and you want them to two-gap, you're looking at guys as like guys like Vince, Big Vince, and then you're looking at two big defensive ends, um, usually above 300 pounds, closer to about 310, 315 as the defensive ends. Of course, J.J. is never going to get that big. He's going to be about 280, 290. That's just what J.J. does because you would take away from a lot of the things that J.J. does exceptionally well, or not even exceptionally, like Hall of Fame, greatest of all time well. Like we Sometimes I think we get spoiled when we talk about J.J., so Romeo had to kind of come up with a brand new defense and what he actually asked his defensive lineman to do. Is Weaver going to try and continue that kind of hybrid thinking, or is he going to kind of commit more to a gap scheme where they're going to attack gaps instead of trying to control the gaps where they two gap, so single gap versus two gap? If you look at the guys that we continue to bring in, we do not have any monster defensive linemen. Even Ross, Ross Blacklock, um, if he's going to take – the place of reader, he's a good 20 to 30 pounds behind how big he needs to be. Right now he projects better as a defensive end or a one-tech in a 4-3 where all he's doing, again, and I'm, I'm going to keep talking about this because it's something that I think is overlooked a lot when we talk about their defenses, is how are they going to attack those gaps. With Ross and what he showed his senior year, if he is in a scheme where he's attacking gaps, then he's going to be a great, great player. He's going to be a player that everybody knows. And he's going to be able to rush the passer. He's going to be a dominant force in the run game. If they ask him to control gaps, if they're going to ask him to stand up the center and watch both sides of that center for the running back, he's going to get manhandled, and he's not going to be a great player. Now, if they ask him to do that from an end position, it may be like a hybrid role similar to what J.J. does, but I just I'm very very interested to see what Weaver's going to do. I that's to me that's kind of how we judge our defensive line. If you look at the scheme or the personnel that we have, it seems like it's going to dictate the scheme. But this is the same scheme we had where that we're running essentially Rack's philosophy. I think those are extremely good points. I, I think we I think we all assume that. We're going to see a defense that is um, very similar to what Rack has done in the past based on, I think a lot of it comes from the fact of what we saw when Vrabel was here. I don't think that there's enough of a conversation about kind of what Vrabel had to experience with the injuries that he had on defense that year. He was basically playing defensive coordinator with one hand tied behind his back. This year, a little bit different so far, you know, for us to start. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. But I, I do expect to see a lot of different things from Weaver this year. And I, I don't know if we have really the personnel to play like a true 4-3 at, at times. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. As far as uh, Brandon Dunn, um, look, I, I think Brandon Dunn, homegrown talent, 
undrafted guy, developed by Anthony Weaver, um, was solid last year. Um, I, he got like basically no love from anybody outside of kind of what we talked about on the pod and anything that we've written about him. Um, Brandon Dunn is a guy that I think can step up in the role that DJ Reader had and and fill it fine. I think as a run defender, he's going to be fine. It's going to take him some time to be able to uh, create a pass rush and penetrate the middle or the interior of the offensive line. But, I mean, he has the potential to do it. Um, he's a big guy, he's strong, and he's lighting camp on fire. He's literally the guy that people need to be talking about. And I don't really see... I don't see us struggling with the loss of DJ Reader with Brandon Dunn here. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think what people don't really understand is that Brandon Dunn has been playing the nose tackle role for a couple years now. DJ Reader was playing the 3-4 defensive end role, um, and it's just his reputation that he's a really good nose tackle, right? So that's what you think of him. But Brandon Dunn, he's been a very, very consistent player, and he's someone who... He's not gonna. He's never gonna get a lot of talk because nose tackles really don't, especially nose tackles who don't rush the passer. And he's not gonna rack up a lot of tackles either. He's a guy who's gonna hold down his double teams. He's gonna hold down single blocks and penetrate and let other guys make plays. He's gonna keep our linebackers Bernardrick McKinney and Zach Cunningham free and let them go run and hit and not have to think about dealing with blocks. And that has a ton of value, but it's just not like a quote unquote sexy position and job in the NFL, right? And I think one thing to point out is Weaver is a hell of a defensive line coach and all the defensive linemen that he's coached up to play really good run defense and then later in their career maybe add a little bit more in the pass rush and like you talk about DJ Reader was a fifth sixth round pick fifth round pick fifth round Brandon Dumb was undrafted um he's even worked up Angelo Blackson to be a solid role as well and then and so just I guess going back to the other two guys we talked about but like that's got to give you a lot of promise for Ross Blacklock and Charles Omenihu um, to be time to be big time players. Yep. Yeah, and even to answer Angel L's questions, uh, the Texans don't really play either. So when our defense was arguably at the best, um, that's when last year when they looked the best was when Dunn was essentially playing nose. Reader was playing like a hybrid nose defensive tackle. Um, I, there's another word for it that I'm completely losing, but essentially those two players would each two gap. Um, and then J.J. was free to do whatever J.J. wanted to do, and then you would have somebody like Amenehu or at times Merciless or when it wasn't fair to Merciless, um, and um, and Scarlet essentially play cleanup. So you would have two guys control the gap. Anybody that got through, the uh, Sam linebacker would clean them up, J.J. wouldn't control gaps. He didn't care. He was shooting them. He was going for the passer. And it wasn't a 4-3 look. It wasn't a 3-4 look. It was just this hybrid look. And when we all sort of trashed on Romeo Purnell having the game pass him by, I think it was because if he never really got to run the defense that he was most comfortable with, he was trying to create something new based on the personnel that he had. And I think sometimes when people think that J.J. is getting trashed on, it's because that's what J.J. kind of paints you into a corner. J.J. is so good, you can't really run a defense like you typically would because you don't want to handcuff J.J. You want him to be out there being all world. You want that. So you have to design a defense around that. And we talked about it when we talked about Clowney and why Clowney was underrated. 
Clowney was put in a position where they didn't build the defense around him. They built the defense around J.J., whereas Clowney may have shined if he had a defense built around him. But what this is just a very long way of saying is we didn't really play a 3-4 or a 4-3. We played a mixture that allowed our guys to sometimes have a lot of success. And when J.J. got hurt, kind of led to issues because people weren't doing what they thought they were going to do because J.J. was no longer there. All right, so let's talk about the other two, Carlos Watkins, Angelo Blackson. Look, Carlos Watkins, third year, really hasn't gotten a ton of snaps in the in the past. Um, seems to be getting some praise in, in training camp. This is a guy that, uh, what, he was a fifth-round pick, I believe. Um, like I said, we haven't seen much of him to be able to know what he can do. Uh, had some injuries in the past. Uh, you know, to bank on Carlos Walken and, and, and uh, Angelo Blackson to, to be the guys that are going to step up um, and provide some pass rush, you probably put your team in a, in a very bad position, considering that neither of them have showed that they can do that in the past. The answer is Jadavian Clowney, but that's not the answer that I think we're going to end up having. So what is a fair expectation for, for Watkins uh, and Blackson this season, Jordan? Um, and there's not a ton of film on Watkins, so it's it's really hard to... Yeah, no, I, I haven't watched either of those players. And um, to be fair, like, I don't think that they're going to play big roles this year. I think Blackson has the potential to start until Blacklock is ready. Because Blackson, he's gotten some praise in camp, um, but... I don't know. Like you said, like I don't think those two will ever really be pass rushers. They're your typical 3-4 defensive end run stuffers that can two-gap, and they can be just fine at that. They're never going to give you anything more. They're good, cheap, reliable players. Um, and I'm not very good at like stat predictions, so I couldn't tell you how many like tackles that they're going to get or whatever. I just, but... well, I just wonder from like a role-player perspective, like you know, are they going to be able to fill those roles? Is Carlos Watkins finally going to be able to put it together? Um, you know? Things like that. I don't expect you to tell us that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that, that they do. I have a little bit more faith in Blackson than Watkins, to be honest. I think he's been more consistent. Um, and I think that they just won't have that many snaps to really prove themselves in-game. I think that Blacklock and Omenuhu are honestly going to take over and, and done. And so, yeah, that, that's really all i got to say about them. John? They're rotational run stoppers. Um, Blackson really, really has a lot of value on special teams. He has a unique ability, even going all the way back to college, um, for blocking kicks. And he's able to get penetration there, but for whatever reason, he doesn't really get penetration when he plays defense. Um, however, both him and Watkins have shown the ability to consistently stop the run. They do add a little extra heft to the line against teams that are that are run-heavy. Against teams, though, that are a little pass-heavy, both lead a lot to be desired. So again, I think that, like, I think that that's where Blacklock will have a chance to really step up, and Aminihu will really have a chance to step up and really, um, I guess, earn the shine because they're gonna get they're gonna get snaps, but they're gonna be the, the dirty work snaps that no one ever talks about, where the running backs they don't even get the tackles where they push the running back into the guy that does tackle. Okay. All right. Um. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Before we get to questions and answers, uh, update on the score, 72-67. Are going to talk about P.J. Hall at all? Oh, I totally forgot about P.J. Hall. I actually am not – I'll be 100% honest. I am not familiar with P.J. Hall at all, except for what Jordan put out. I have not – I have not 
I, I don't know what he did in college. Uh, I, I know he was, you know, okay in Oakland, but I'll let you two take that one because I'm not familiar enough to actually speak on him and give a proper evaluation. Yeah, so I went back. I watched his um, Raiders games. He was someone who he just hasn't shown the consistency yet. Um, but he is a fairly solid run defender. I think what they like from his from him is that he's versatile. Like John's been saying, we run a multiple defense. We're not necessarily three four, not necessarily four three, and so that requires guys to line up from nose tackle to one tech to three tech to I whatever it be, and that's something the PJ Hall can be. He's a little bit smaller. He's not your typical interior defensive lineman in terms of size, but with that, he does come with some quickness, and he's shown a little bit of ability to push the pocket. He has a pretty decent bull rush, and um, but overall, he's a raw player. And I think the only thing we've heard from camp so far is that, you know, he may not be in the best shape right now, but that'll that'll happen with the ramp up. And I think he's someone that he's kind of on the fringe of the roster, and, and it will be good to keep an eye on him, but like don't rely on him to get any big time snaps or have a big time role for us. Yeah, PJ Hall, he's a guy that coming out of college, I was really high on him, but not second round high on him. He was when we did our draft show that year. Um, I looked back at my notes, and he was one of our late-round find guys that we expected to fall in the draft that would be pretty happy that if we picked him up at the fifth or sixth-round pick because he does have potential. Now he gets out to Oakland as a second-round pick, which everybody considered at the time to be a reach. However, he has not shown the ability to truly stay healthy and stay motivated while he was out there. Now, granted, this is a guy that loves J.J. Watts so much that it's his Twitter header. Twitter handle um <laughs> he's like pjj watt or and it's it's an interesting situation because he gets to come in and learn from him or learn from Watt, and hopefully the type of learning that he'll do is work ethic because he does have some talent he does have some juice if you look at his um tape back in college he was a guy that looked like he could be fun um he's an interior line uh, interior defensive lineman they could truly run down a run down the passer like he could he could shoot gaps he could control the running game he was a little undersized but he looked like he'd be a very talented player now if they're asking him to come in and play nose that's not he's that's not what he can do and he's not going to make the roster but if he's coming in to play an end then he could be fun fair fair yeah all right uh, all right, let's get into uh, questions. Uh, and before we do that, let's make sure we do this. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Jordan, take us through some questions. All right, so yeah, if you want to send me any questions the night of the show, I always send out a tweet, so just hit me up there. Uh, first one comes from at Louis Orta. He says, are the Texans done adding big-name players to the roster? James, we get this question every week. Has, has anything changed? Uh, not that I know of. Uh, I just know that Bill O'Brien and Jadavion Clowney have talked. Um, you know, I would have loved Everson Griffin for $6 million. I don't understand how we weren't in, in that conversation. Um, that's a steal, in my opinion. You're going to get a ton of production out of Everson Griffin for $6 million. Um, you know, there's been talks of Clowney from both sides. I just can't see it happening as much as I want to. Nothing would excite me more if something like that happened. So all I can say is at least there's a positive that there's conversations happening 
but I wouldn't be I wouldn't expect there to be a big name that is brought in. So back to you, Jordan. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. As great as it would be, as much as we want the big name players, I think, and even with all the restructuring that the Texans have been doing, people are like, oh, you're saving money here. It's probably for Clowney, probably for someone big, right? The Texans love to roll over the cap. Yep. They know that they're in a shitty situation, that the entire NFL is in a shitty situation, and especially us because we've got a lot of young, talented players that we've got to extend. So every dollar counts, and I think that's really where the money is going to go to. And just a quick thing about Everson Griffin, I think he took the Dallas job because they have a starting role for him. I don't think we can guarantee that he's going to start over Merciless or Watt here whatsoever, but they can start. he can start over there. And so obviously he's going to want that because of incentives in the contract and just that's who he's been this entire yep. this entire um career all right more questions from angel lopez he says do you think there will be any any more additions in the secondary mainly was wondering for cornerbacks actually any more cornerback additions john no i think we're pretty set with who whom we have at this time um this year with essentially essentially the rosters are extended um the way that the practice squad and everything works out and I'm not even entirely sure on the details of that right now because I feel like they, I got it memorized and they changed. But long story short is we can have more players and we can protect more players than years past. So the roster cutdown won't be the same. With that, the only guy that I think that is still out there that's kind of intriguing is Logan Ryan, and that's especially if he moves to safety. We talked about him last week, so it's the same answer. If he wants to play safety, he could be interesting. He could kind of be that hybrid safety corner. Um, however, at this point, the guys we have on our roster fit the scheme better, and, and uh, probably in our coach's opinion, are just better players for what we look to do. Not necessarily better players talent-wise, but better players for what we look to do. Definitely. I'm definitely with you. I think I think that people don't really um, – I guess people underestimate what continuity does for a cornerback. Even one, one of the main things that Bill O'Brien has said about Gary and Conley is like, yeah, he had a great season for us before, but now he's getting even more integrated into the system, and he's and he's going to be better, and he's going to make that jump. So we've got talented guys right now. Let's stick with them, get them comfortable, and, and just continue to build. Do either of you guys find it uh, crazy how Weaver praised Vernon Hargrave so much today? I didn't hear any of that. Oh. I'm out of the loop. That's uh, two days in a row, then. I know. He did it yesterday as well. I know. Uh, that's uh, it's just, just something to keep an eye on. I might get my wish and have Roby and and uh, Conley on the outside. Interesting, interesting. All right. Next one from at Barry Allen. He says, we've heard a lot about the tight ends and running backs so far, but not much about the wide receivers besides one-on-ones. How are the new guys coming along, and who do you think takes the number five wide receiver spot? James. Number five. Uh, actually, now I'm starting to think it'll be Kiki. Um Kiki seems to have the uh, ego kind of taken away. He's willing to play on special teams. Something clicked this offseason where he understands that if he wants to be in this league, he's going to have to do other things than be a slot wide receiver who is inconsistent more times than not when he is on the field. Uh, and if you guys don't believe me, please go watch Jordan's breakdown of Kiki QT on our YouTube. Jordan put it out today. Um, that should really give you a good indication on what Kiki has been the first two years in the league. Um, so, I, But I do think it'll be Kiki. Kiki has shown that he has talent. Uh, it's just about consistency with him. And up until this point, we really haven't seen it. You know, in the one clip we saw, um, I think it was yesterday, with I think it was Eric Murray that basically just, like, pushed him completely out of the way 
and he was not able to release in any in like any form or fashion. Uh, he was just manhandled right off the line, straight up stoned. Yeah, and and now Eric Murray is a, I mean Eric Murray is a little bit of a, you know, he's a pretty physical guy. So, but still, like he's not the only one that's going to jab you at the line. And if you can't take that in one on one drills, it's going to be interesting to see what you can do on the field. So I would think that it would be him as the fifth, just because they don't want to give up on him yet. That would give us what Cooks, Stills, Fuller, Cobb, Kiki. So a backup slot, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the case. I do think that we end up running with six wide receivers, though. What was the first part of the question? Oh, talking about the wide receivers and how they've looked. Um, there hasn't been a lot about them. Um, there hasn't been a lot of film about them. You really haven't seen much. Uh, Texans PR is doing a really good job on focusing on David Johnson and things of that nature to kind of just uh, build up that storyline and everything else that's happened in the offseason. Um but, I mean, I don't really know what else to tell you. Will Fuller is, is – we know what Will Fuller is. Like, I, it's not a question of what can he do in camp. It's a question of how healthy can he be in the season. Brandon Cooks is – I think he, it's like him and, like, three other wide receivers that have – I don't know, I saw some crazy stat today about, like, it was like him, Julio, uh, and, like, two other guys who have been able to get, like, 76 targets in a, in a season back-to-back or something crazy. Uh, Brandon Cooks is fine. And then Kenny Stills is like the low-key guy that nobody talks about that deserves more praise than what he gets. When I was talking to Zach yesterday, he doesn't understand how he's not a wide receiver one on another team. And that's all based on his route running. Um, so wide receivers are going to be fine. I'm not really too worried about the wide receivers. Yeah, I think you said everything I would have said perfectly. So just going to move on um, from at Texan Jeffrey. Oh, okay, he says, how are the wide receivers doing? Just covered that. Not a whole lot so far, but we'll hopefully see some more. Um, the one thing I would add is is Will Fuller looks huge, and huge. he is the biggest wide receiver on the field. And I guess the one other guy is, is Chad Hansen, who's come out of nowhere and just taken camp by storm. He was on our practice squad last year, I believe. I think he he went to USC. I don't know. USC. Exactly. Um, he has family here in Georgetown. He um played for the Saints for the Jets. He's one of those guys that bounces around quite a bit. Um, watching the stream, like, I mean, he stood out. Like, he absolutely stood out when you watch the uh, the practice the practice um, stream. So we'll see. He's one of those guys that the practice. He's gonna stay on the practice squad, I think. But he's got a potential to be a contributor because, unfortunately, as much as we love our wide receiver core, the part of the reason it has so much depth is we all kind of know that somebody's gonna get hurt. We just don't know who. Yeah, I think in terms of making the roster and then what we're talking about like with the fifth wide receiver, it really comes down to who can return kicks. Right now, that's DeAndre Carter is the main guy. Kiki's been doing it more. I don't think that's what Chad Hansen does whatsoever. So even though he's flashing, he's not going to make the, the full-time roster. Granted, Chad but, Hansen is crazy fast. I think it was he's another guy that ran like low 4-3. Like, he, he's really, really, really fast. Interesting, interesting. All right, next one from at Manan Ali. He asks, do you think the Texans look to trade some players like a wide receiver to get extra draft picks, or will they try to pick up a large contract like Alshon Jeffrey plus a pick to try and like replenish the, the lack of draft capital that we got? John, what, do, what are your thoughts on that? Um, No. Honestly, if they're going to trade somebody for a draft pick, they would have already done it. The only way that somebody's getting traded for a draft pick from the Texans this year is if we get towards the trade deadline and we have just face-planted, Deshaun's hurt and the team's just not going anywhere. At that point, maybe. But with the way the roster is built, I mean, 
you know, the national media and even some areas around here, they're they're not expecting the Texans to go on a run, but the team is built to go on a run. They This is a roster that is wanting to compete this year. The way that it is built, the amount of depth that it has, and they're not going to weaken it for a draft pick next year. Not at this time. Yeah, no, I think people always, people want depth until they have depth, and then they're like, oh, well, we've got all this depth, let's just trade one away. But what we've seen with, and especially with wide receivers on our team, is maybe they're not the most consistent in playing all 16 games. And there's going to be guys who are in and out of the lineup, and, and having that fourth wide receiver and whoever it is, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, whatever, however they line it up, that's going to be very valuable to the team. I don't see them trading whatsoever. I definitely don't see them picking up like a, a loaded veteran contract like that just for a pick either. That's not really something that the Texans really have ever done. All right, next one Real from... Quick. Keep an eye on BMAC. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. They definitely have to unload him because they can't pay him and Zach Cunningham. That's just too much money at the middle linebacker spot. So Correct. And and we'll come, come midseason, you know, when you know, we've already seen a ton of injuries. Uh Browns lost their one of their starting linebackers today. Um I, I just if there's a name to watch, I would say that the name to watch is B Mac. Yeah, but I can't see him trading for a pick. If we're gonna trade for some it's gonna be for another player. No, I can see it for a pick, especially next year. After the season? Yep. Yes. No, no, I think they'll just... No. Oh, I do. I think it's all going to be dependent on what we see from Dylan Cole and Adams. I like, I'm very high on Tyrell Adams. Me too. Whenever he played, he was he was fine. Like, run He's... stuffing, like, that's the thing with BMAC. He's very good at his job, but you can find run stuffing from a middle linebacker spot pretty much anywhere. It's kind of like running back, right? Um, but let's keep moving on. Uh, the next one from Matt Hamilton, he says... Do you think the Texans signed a trade for another defensive line player? I guess I'll just I'll just take this because we've gotten this a lot, but um, they've been looking for defensive line depth for sure. I think on the edges they're they've kind of worn out all their options, and then you saw that we added PJ Hall on the interior. I think a lot of people wanted snacks. We want PJ Hall route. That's fine. That's an upside pick. Um, I don't think I honestly don't think that they're going to add much more or add anyone else unless we do see an injury. Um, I think this is pretty much the complete Texans roster as we see it right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that's all. Yep, that's all the questions I got. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, guys. Well, Cobus Q event. Uh, make sure you guys come out September 10th, 530. We're going to be watching the Chiefs-Texans. Uh, flyer will be done tonight by our lovely bald man, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And, um, yeah, shirts are coming this week. Uh, they're super dope. We have other shirts that are being worked on. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at uh, HoustonFBPod. Make sure you follow um, me on Twitter at IamYoungAriGold. Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. Uh, the real MVP of TU, Patrick Storm at the Patrick Storm, And then our newest addition, Jair at, uh, I have it right here, at JRL Sports TX. Uh, he'll be bringing you guys content, I think, sometime this week. Him and Cody are going to connect. So, um, With that being said, guys, next week we're going to, do, to be doing running backs and tight ends. So we are excited to do that. Make sure you guys click the like and subscribe button. Turn on notifications for when we go live. Make sure you guys go to the website, texansonfiltered.com. And with that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. 
Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.